This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Still looking at the calm before the storm for today. Mostly sunny skies with a high in the low to mid-30s. Keeping an eye on a system that may be hitting our area on Thursday, bringing snow and mixed precipitation. More on that as the week progresses. A Broome County man is in custody after threats reportedly made on social media prompted lockouts at Whitney Point, Shenango Fork, Shenango Valley, Binghamton, Johnson City, and Maine Edwell schools, as well as Wilson, Binghamton General, and Lord's Hospitals. Police had been advised yesterday to be on the lookout for a 42-year-old man who allegedly made threats to use weapons at a school or hospital. Broome Sheriff's deputies surrounded a home on Route 12 in Shenango Forks where the suspect vehicle was found and took a man into custody at about 1.25 p.m. yesterday. Sheriff David Harder has not offered additional information about the suspect, what alerted authorities to the possible threat, and what charges are being filed. Authorities say there was no actual danger to any of the institution's students or staff. Fracking can resume in Dimmick, Pennsylvania, after being banned while allegations that the drillers caused pollution of the water supplies worked their way through the court system. In November, the new owner of Cabot Oil and Gas, Cotera Energy, pleaded no contest to misdemeanor violation of the the Pennsylvania Clean Streams Law and agreed to fund the new water public water system to pay and pay for the affected what residents' water bills for 75 years. In obtaining public records of the action, the Associated Press says it has learned the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection quietly lifted its moratorium on fracking on the date of the agreement with Cotera. The company still cannot drill new gas wells inside the moratorium area, but it can drill horizontally for miles from new wells outside the prohibited area. A couple of Broome County drug dealers are headed to prison. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says 53-year-old Robert Randolph of Endicott has pleaded guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance after being arrested on August 17th following a search of his East Main Street home, where police found methamphetamine he intended to sell. The parolee will serve five years in New York State Prison plus two years post-release supervision. Meanwhile, 39-year-old Joshua Bonker of Kirkwood is also pleading guilty in Broome County Court. He will serve two years in prison for felony attempted criminal possession of a controlled substance after after a search of his home on State Route 11 in Kirkwood on March 2, 2021, turned up cocaine and fentanyl. Bonker had a previous conviction for felony attempted grand larceny. The owners of the former IBM Endicott site are moving forward with plans to tear down several unused buildings to clear the way for the redevelopment of the lot. The demolition work could get underway sometime this winter if logistical issues can be worked out. Chris Pelto, who manages the Huron campus, says the removal of the old pedestrian walkway over McKinley Avenue was completed on schedule and the street was reopened to traffic late on Friday afternoon. CVS and Walgreens have finalized more than $10 billion, with a B, billion dollars 
years in settlements of lawsuits filed in New York, Pennsylvania, and other states over the toll of the opioids their pharmacies sold. Now it's up to the states to decide whether to join or be able to take their own claims to court under settlements announced on Monday. The pharmacy's tentative deals were announced last month. Most of the money is to be used to address an addiction and overdose crisis that's continuing to rage across the U.S. New York Attorney General Letitia James' office says the payments from CVS will be spread over the period of 10 years, with the Walgreens payments spread over 25 years beginning in the second half of 2023. New York will receive $458,210,563 under the agreement. Lawyers on the case will also get a share. Nationwide settlements and tentative settlements reached in recent years total more than $50 billion. A scam where a company is selling fake local police agency swag is rearing its head again. This time, the Vestal Police are advising people they are not selling VPD merch. In a post on Facebook, the Vestal Police warned that's been caused to their attention that some people are receiving text messages advertising merchandise with the Vestal Police logo on it. They say, please know these items are counterfeit and unauthorized by the police department. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, sunny today, a high in the low to mid-30s, increasing clouds tonight, low in the upper teens. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, high in the low 30s. Then that storm system moving in for Thursday with an 80% chance of snow and sleet. Gusty winds as high as 24 miles an hour and a high in the mid-30s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Greetings. We uh, are on the air live with Bob Joseph on a Tuesday morning. And I would say this if you're outside, be sure to bundle up. Be sure to bundle up. Our phone lines are now open. If uh, they are defrosted, I haven't actually checked to see uh, the level of frost on the phone lines, but I think. They're still operational at this temperature. 607-772-1290 is our number. And if you like to call in and talk about the issues facing America today, or just facing the Binghamton area, give us a call. Again, the number is 607-772-1290. If you wish to participate... All are encouraged to participate. Morning, WNBF. Would you like to participate on the air? Yes, I would. All right. Your first name, please, and where are you calling from? Um, Daniel Fennessy, and I'm calling at Mavis Discount Tire Store. I'm a Harpersville resident, though. Oh, okay. Well, you didn't have to give me uh, your full name. But anyway, are you a first-time caller? 
No. Okay. No, this is my third time, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, welcome to the program. You're on our on our program. How are things going? Good, good. Um, I really wanted to talk about Elon Musk posted on Twitter the other day, follow with a picture of a white rabbit. Yeah, Elon Musk is uh, is really talk about a billionaire who uh, craves attention. I think he loves the attention. He loves the spotlight. Yeah, I would too. What are you going to do with all the money in, in the world that you have, and what else is there to get? Right. Exactly. So now with his latest, I mean, this guy is addicted to Twitter. It's no wonder he bought it. He he tweets more than I do. Well, what I wanted to talk about was his tweet that said, follow the white rabbit. No wonder he bought it. He tweets more than I do. So what I wanted to talk about was... Well, tell me. Tell me. So what, 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 should we, a, what should we infer from Mr. Musk and his cryptic little tweets? So I've been following Q, which I'm sure you've heard of QAnon. Um, but he came out in 2017 on the internet with just posting a bunch of questions and the questions lead you to like, what was the Iranian deal? Where did the money go? Who has the money? It's just simple questions that lead you to a direct path. But as we found out later that there's a code name for a certain drug and the drug's code name is the white rabbit. Oh, okay. I'm going to do some more research and then we'll, um, maybe we'll pick up on this later in the week. I'd, I have to admit, I don't know enough about this to speak with any uh, degree of authority. So I'll be looking into the white rabbit and see what I can develop. We'll have complete white rabbit coverage as soon as I learn more. So I can speak with some intelligence. Larry in Kirkwood, good morning. Good morning, Bob. I'm a little confused here. I I heard the the report that uh, CVS and Walgreens are paying out ten billion dollars in uh, in uh, fines or, or or compensation for people who got hurt by the drug using drugs from them. Um, but then the report you know, was that uh, lawyers across the state or across the country are getting. $50 billion? I'm completely confused. So what is that about? Well, I think the uh, companies don't want to wind up going to trial where they would lose billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars if they're convicted in connection with getting people hooked on opioids. So I, I think they're trying to cut their losses. That's what it's about. Well, I, I don't get it. How are the Lawyers across the country making fifty billion, and the people who got affected only ten billion. What's the deal there? I don't know. That's that's hmm. uh, I guess further evidence of why I should have studied law instead of gone into broadcasting. Hmm. Well, I mean, it makes all the difference in the world. You in in this day and age, what you really need to do is go into a line of work. If you're about the money, go into a line of work where you can make a lot of money when you come up with uh, one of these big settlements. I mean, that, it's, I think it's, uh, it, well, it's common knowledge that when there is a settlement, in any case, the uh, attorneys 
always get a, a share. I mean, that's that's only fair that the attorneys get a share of the uh, settlement money. So, um, you know, it wouldn't happen without the attorneys. I mean, without attorneys, life itself would be impossible. From my understanding about what lawyers get, it seems like they get the lion's share of the settlement. And well, I don't, I don't believe that to be right. the case. I, it's not the case most of the time, as far as this particular story about the uh, settlement or tentative settlement. Remember, it's not finalized, but it's uh, a tentative deal involving CVS and Walgreens. If it's finalized, each mm-hmm. state involved in the settlement will get X amount, and then the, the um, attorneys who were involved in facilitating the deal will also get a certain yep. amount. So as far as what the exact numbers are, I I don't know. And who as as they often say, who am I to judge? <laughs> okay, Bob, bless you. Yeah. Man. Well hey, thanks. Yeah. As far as as far as whether it's a good deal or not, I haven't looked into the details. I I suspect for some people it might be a good deal. I'm not sure if it's going to be finalized. It sounds very complicated, and I'm not even familiar with the timeline, how soon every state involved in the tentative deal has to sign off on it. But it is fascinating, but uh, because it involves major companies, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure their attorneys decided better to try to get a tentative deal even if it's going to cost us billions of dollars over the next 10 or 15 years, than to uh, let this play out for who knows how much longer. That's the problem with legal cases. Legal cases in this country can't be settled quickly. They never have been, or rarely have been. Let's put it that way. It's 918, Bob Joseph, live at 607 772-1290 or send an email to bob at wnbf.com You can listen to us on the radio at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM and online at wnbf.com Looking Bob Joseph live at WNBF station is here serving you with um, just all sorts of topicality. Who knows what kind of topicality will come next. I have a couple of suspicions, but I also have no confirmation. Next hour, talk with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney about the village people. See what's going on in a place that used to be known as Leicestershire. Where they developed the Leicestershire sauce. Mm. Oh, this is nice. Apropos of nothing, but here's my daily briefing. I don't even know why I get a daily briefing, but somebody set this up. I think it's uh, 
somebody at corporate, my daily briefing. Hi, Bob Joseph. Make today count. <sighs> Nothing like that personal touch. Hi, Bob Joseph. Make today count. Commitments and follow-ups from your messages. Oh, they want me to follow up with... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people who are obviously up to no good. Follow up with that guy. Huh. Mm, mm, no. Oh, I can book focus time. Again, this is from my daily briefing. It says I could book focus time from 10 a.m. to noon. Maybe I'll do that. Thank you. Thank you for whoever set that up. It's my daily briefing. Book focus time between 10 and noon, and that way I'll be able to focus on something other than the program. Elsewhere, making contemporary news. Of course, we were pleased that the uh, situation involving alleged threats was... Uh, taken care of, was handled expeditiously by local law enforcement. So a man was taken into custody Monday afternoon after threats were made and schools and hospitals were put into lockout mode. They uh, handled that uh, relatively fast, although obviously a lot of people were very, very concerned for a few hours yesterday. So I'll give you more information on that as it's released. Let's take a call. 923, this is Bob Joseph live. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's your friend Ron from Binghamton. I was over by your house a few minutes ago. Did you see me? Where are you? No, why didn't you? Well, you didn't have time to stop. No, I didn't have time. I was too busy reporting on a story. But it's a nice story, and it's a story you'll enjoy. Yeah. Well, I, I was, I was thinking. I was, um, I was uh, looking at a column in the Wall Street Journal today. Uh, you know, their funny little bit column on the front page. Oh, I and saw that. I saw that last night. And I said, that's a funny little column. Is this the one about uh, the music? I won't mention her name, yeah. but that uh, really hideous song that, that I keep hearing over and over, that one? Yes, oh. exactly. Oh, that resonated with me. I was so happy they did that story because, you know, the thing is, I wish the guy who did that story uh, for the Wall Street Journal, this is part of what the Wall Street Journal calls their AHAD, People who f are really familiar with the Wall Street Journal know the tradition of the AHEAD, little feature that's been on the front page for decades. So for people who haven't uh, picked up their copy of the Wall Street Journal yet, tell people about this story. Well, it's about uh, the people, particularly who work at, in retail, who, uh, you know, do their eight-hour shift and have to listen to constant spool of Christmas music over and over, the same songs over and over. They refer to it in the in the article as a musical waterboarding. You know, it's uh, uh, how often can can you hear 
All I Want for Christmas is You, uh, and Jingle Bells over and over and over. And, you know, I I go out to the stores, whether it's a supermarket or uh, a retail department store, and that's what you're dealing with. But it, it's only for while you're shopping there. The people who work there, you know, they're they're getting that uh, that old uh, Chinese water torture where they put a drop every few seconds on your yeah. head. Yeah, so- sounds head. like something they wouldn't even do at Abu Ghraib. Correct. Uh, and it leads, I mean, it's of biblical proportions. It makes me think, you know, I don't know if there's a hell, but if there is a hell, they're playing constant Christmas music. In it. Yeah, yeah. Imagine imagine the holiday season in hell. Yeah. And, and her song would be number one with a bullet. That's what they used you to refer what? to... Uh, uh, on the Billboard chart, when your song was in heavy rotation, number one with a bullet, it would be in such heavy rotation on hell radio, it would probably come up every 90 seconds. No, it would be more like a loop. It would be a radio station, that's all they play, is her. I'm not even going to mention her name. I won't dignify. I won't dignify that song by mentioning her name. She thinks that she is such a diva that the holiday season revolves around her. Well, she that's right. She wants to be known as, uh, I forget what the appellation is, but she, she, uh, she tried to get uh, the government to recognize her as Queen of Christmas, I think, or something like that. Yeah, and nothing, they, nothing they, against her. She may, in fact, be one of the nicest people in the entertainment industry, but for decades, I, I've always taken a somewhat dim view of her although she does she can uh, her voice can cover uh multiple octaves she has what they call uh range i'm not sure if that's good but you know even before she became um what christmas was about you know i think she thinks christmas and the holiday season revolves around her i think she is the reason for the season yeah and uh, you know i think the uh, Wall Street Journal put this up as a kind of fun thing, but it might have serious implications. If you've got all these people all over the country who work in retail having to endure this day after day for like, it starts at Halloween now, uh, you, you know, you're going gonna to have uh, like postal situations. Remember, you're going postal. Well, this is going to be going jingle or something like that. He went jingle. He couldn't. Take all of the. Uh, well, I'm not going to mention her name. I, I don't. Yeah, don't want don't give her the attention she craves. She she actually wants more attention than Elon Musk, and that's saying quite a bit. Yeah, and all all I want for Christmas is to not hear that song again. Don't worry. Stay tuned to this station from 9 a.m. to noon every day for the next. 10 years and you're not going to hear that song if I have anything to say about it. Well, obviously, well, I'll tell you what, if you hear that song any any time on this station weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon, that's your first indication that I'm no longer with the company. Ah, yes. That will that's be how fun. people will know because remember, they're not allowed to ever say what happened to someone because of, apparently, under penalty of law, when someone 
has to leave early. That's my euphemism, whether it's an elected official or just uh, an employee at a radio station. When someone has to leave early, the people in charge aren't allowed to say what happened. The only thing they're allowed to say is, Bob Joseph is no longer with the company. Yeah, and in that way, you know, we think of you, uh, of course, uh, pleasantly as a lot of things, but we'll have to then think of you as our canary in a coal mine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know... One other thing, if Oh, I yes, may, you may. Is, oh, okay. Uh, I went this morning, as I do every morning, to my digital copy of the Press and Sun Bulletin. Did, did uh, I don't know if it's a quirk with me uh, on my uh, reception of it, but there's no newspaper there. It's, it's just, uh, have you seen the change in the format? As of no, but hold on a second. I, I didn't have a chance... I didn't have a chance to check Press Connects today, so I just did. And the first story on Press Connects is a retail expert toured Wegmans with us. Here's what he discovered. Actually, I, I stand corrected. I did check this out because I thought it had something to do with the Johnson City Wegmans. And, of course, because this is Gannett, it had nothing to do about a Wegmans anywhere around here. So they went to... Um, a Wegmans in, where did he go? He, he went on a tour of a Wegmans store uh, in Harrison, in Westchester County. So I, I thought at first, well, they're going to do a story about a guy going to the Wegmans store in Johnson City, which, by the way, I did about a month ago. I think they got the idea from me because I went on a complete tour of the Wegmans store in Johnson City after they wrapped up the uh, remodel, the multi-million dollar remodeling project, and the local Wegmans manager was very generous with his time and a couple of his assistants. We spent, I think, an hour and a half touring the Johnson City Wegmans, so I, I think probably the kid at Gannett, Peter Kramer, who's on their New York State team, not to be confused with the Bills or the Jets, he's on their New York State team, he probably got the idea from me to tour a, a Wegmans, but this one is in Westchester County. But let me check to your point about is there a newspaper there? The, you're talking about the digital edition of the press? Well, yeah. I, you know, as of yesterday, I, I go to my digital edition and I see the newspaper front page and I flip to all the pages. It looks now you've got all of these discrete stories and no newspaper to look. Well, at. mine is working. My digital it edition, is. man, that's a beautiful front page. I'm, I'm not getting. Well, you I better you better call their customer service there on uh, Lewis Road at 33 Lewis Road. Call the press customer service, and they'll send a person over to your house to fix your digital newspaper. Oh yes, certainly. Uh, uh, now, do By I the way, there's no one there, so I, I'm kidding, yeah. obviously. Of course, there's wow. no one. No. But it's it's coming through on my screen. Actually, this is a beautiful front page filled with color. It's delicious. It's delicious. You may be punished. You know, maybe your bad attitude. Maybe, maybe they know that you don't really like their newspaper, so they're they're showing you. But they know me. I love their newspaper, so I'm looking at it on a big screen. And listen to this. 
Not only am I looking at it on the big screen, I'm also holding an actual print replica of the front of the entire newspaper. Look at that. And for 350, I think it's true value. Well, Bob, if I've become a uh, persona non grata with the newspaper, will you like vouch for me, give me a reference? Sure. Since you have, would you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate your call. And, and remember, the next time I'm reporting on a story in, in your neighborhood, just make sure you have a cup of coffee ready, and I'll stop by and say, Hey, coffee, please. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank it's you, Ron. Okay. <laughs> it's 9.33. Bob Joseph live having a tremendous amount of fun. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, okay. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Make note. Phone company doesn't want to provide good service on Tuesdays. Okay, remember that for next week. 607-772-1290 if you're interested in playing radio roulette call in see if the phone company will allow your call through again the number testing the circuits 607-772-1290 or if you can't get through send an email to bob at wnbf.com have you Bob Joseph live at 9.37 at News Radio WNBF. Gas prices continuing to plunge. Joe Biden did that. Gas prices now below where they were one year ago nationally, according to the national gas price experts. So... That uh, certainly would um, constitute good news if you're a person who drives, especially if you're a person who drives as much as I do. Inflation easing, according to the new report that was out oh, just a few minutes ago from Washington. The inflation guidance indicates that... Um, Things are improving. Inflation still a challenge. But according to this post in the Wall Street Journal on the website, consumer prices rose last month at the slowest 12-month pace since December 2021. Closing out a year in which inflation hit the highest level in four decades and challenged the Federal Reserve's ability to keep the U.S. economy on track. So that's encouraging news. The uh, inflation challenge actually um, appears to be uh, being addressed. That's what it appears. Another big story is nuclear fusion. Nuclear fusion. And the reality about nuclear fusion is it's existed for a long time. Today, they plan to make some dramatic nuclear fusion announcement, which 
we don't know at this point if this fusion energy breakthrough is really going to make a big difference in the wide world of energy uh, based on some of the initial reports this could be a game changer that's how it's being framed a game changer some are saying that fusion power is approaching reality well maybe it will but I would say be somewhat skeptical of whatever they're going to announce today so a scientific breakthrough will be announced and apparently it has something to do with the National Ignition Facility, which, to be honest with you, till last night, I didn't know that the United States had a National Ignition Facility, but we do, and it is uh, that facility that evidently is responsible for this purported energy breakthrough involving fusion. And the National Ignition Facility has been around for a few years, not that long. I had to check out their website after I, I heard that the people at NIF are probably the brains behind this possible energy breakthrough. So here is a little information about the National Ignition Facility. It's the world's largest and highest energy laser. So that much, I guess, is good. I guess the other thing I wondered about, though, is why they didn't locate a national ignition facility in a place like Endwell. Endwell would have been my choice. But anyway, I don't think Endwell was in the running. According to the website, the National Ignition Facility is the size of a sports stadium. Three football fields could fit inside. Hmm. Oh, that sounds like Wegmans and Johnson City. The facility's unique energy and power enable cutting-edge research to help keep America safe and secure, explore new frontiers of science, and lay the groundwork for a clean, sustainable source of energy. So, that sounds good. The National Ignition Facility is the world's most precise and reproducible laser system. It precisely guides, amplifies, reflects, and focuses 192 powerful laser beams into a target about the size of a pencil eraser in a few billionths of a second, delivering more than 2 million joules of ultraviolet energy and 500 trillion watts of peak power. That's what we should use to power the WNBF transmitter. 500 trillion watts. Be able to hear us in other galaxies. What about nuclear fusion? The National Ignition Facility generates temperatures in the target of more than 180 million degrees Fahrenheit and pressures of more than 100 billion Earth atmospheres. Those extreme conditions cause hydrogen atoms in the target to fuse and release energy in a controlled thermonuclear reaction. So the more I read about this, I guess 
the happier I am that they didn't build it in Endwell. So you're going to have something like this in Endwell. Well, no doubt some kids would probably break into it on the weekend and mess around with it and cause trouble. That'd be just our luck. They located the National Ignition Facility. And they located it in Endwell. Kids would break in sometime on a Saturday afternoon and then use it. They would aim the lasers to take out the bridge, the Hooper Road Bridge over 17C, just to prove they could, not because they had any real motive, just because they were bored, because there was nothing they wanted to watch on Netflix. Anyway, the National Ignition Facility, I guess you will hear more about it later today. A big breakthrough. They claim in energy research, this big announcement is supposed to come from the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm. So I'll be anxious to hear the specifics. So I recall, and I'm sure it happened before I arrived, but I believe I've read when they announced... The promise of nuclear power, which doesn't involve fusion, it involves fission, as in gone fission. I believe when they first reported the uh, development of nuclear power, some people were saying, oh yeah, it'll generate so much power and it'll be so cheap that they won't even need meters to keep track of it. And we see what ultimately happened with nuclear power so always beware of the initial reports about scientific breakthroughs sometimes sometimes the initial reports turn out to be incomplete this uh, new research the first report about the possible breakthrough came from the Financial Times on Sunday. A person familiar with the findings says that the Department of Energy is going to announce that they have a lab that used lasers to produce a fusion reaction that generated 1.2 times more energy was needed to create it. So if the reports of this, the experiment are accurate, it could be one of the biggest breakthroughs in the last 20 or 30 years, according to some expert. However, this expert, according to Politico, said even then, hope of a fusion generation power plant would still be more than a decade away. So, I don't know. It's obviously when we're talking about fusion, it's technology that is way above my ability. To comprehend. It's 9:47. This is Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 12:90 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. When I add. Nine forty nine, this is Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF. 
best sounds of the season. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What else is going on? Um, oh, the former guy. You're right. I have nothing. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing to say about him. <laughs> I know. I know what you're saying. Well, the former guy. Well, you're always talking about him. No, I'm not going to. Unless I have to. If somebody else brings up the former guy, I would certainly have to respond. But, you know, is it really, in the end, is it really any of my business <laughs> what he's up to? Let's take some calls, shall we, from the people. Uh, Dale in Binghamton wants to weigh in on the nuclear fusion controversy. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Um, nice sunny day. A little cold out there. <laughs> you know, you point and, out uh, the sun. The sun is a perfect example of how nuclear fusion oh, yeah. is working for us. Yeah, you can see it um, when it shines in the morning and, and it burns out the snow, but other places it doesn't burn off the snow because it's not shining on, on that top roof. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, um, well, we all know what's happening with nuclear power, you know, and uh, the problems with it and the the waste and everything, you know. Oh, and, it's uh, enough to make you sick. Well, you know, we, well, we have, makes, we have, yeah, everybody's this, everybody's. we we have uh, wrecked nuclear plants in Chernobyl and in Japan. We almost yeah. had a, a plant down near Harrisburg that that melted down. I mean, come on, man. You know, where is the safety? Where is the peace? Yeah, so we need more information before they start this whole problem up because it's going to cost a lot of money to set those plants up. You know, oh, yeah. Nuclear fusion. Well, imagine... Three miles of, you know, three football fields of... Right. And how far does that reach? Well, and the other thing is, imagine what your electric bill would be like. Say, if you're paying... $200 this month, probably with nuclear fusion energy, it'll be $2,000. Who can afford that? Nah, I know. And and it wouldn't be better electricity. It would be the same electricity, just more expensive. More expensive. But that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, it might be uh, um, using less energy for everything, but it's not going to move everything. You know, it's just... Uh, well, it's, it, it's, not gonna, it's not going to make primetime tv any better it's still going to be the same way <laughs> am i right primetime That's tv right. will still be the same morass it's been for the last decade you know, oh, ever boy. ever since they canceled david lynch's twin peaks primetime oh. network tv has been spiraling out of control i like the old westerns and stuff they watch the and they westerns were good and they always work out and in the end they always work out yeah they always came in right right under time, 57 minutes, 55 seconds. Yep, and, and the story ended in a good tone. Yep, those were the days, my friend. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Uh, Dave Investel, good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, good morning there, Bob. Hey, uh, quick little music history. You, uh, <laughs> I couldn't help but notice, Bob, like minds think alike, because when that caller called in about Elon Musk, Elon Musk and, he, and he said, uh, 
uh, follow the white rabbit. First thing I thought of was Jefferson Airplane, and boy, you came, you came, you came right out of commercial playing the beginning of that song, and you, you got me thinking. Um, Jefferson Airplane followed the bouncing ball, went from Jefferson Starship, and then they finally settled on Starship. But my point is, they had a singer, Bob, uh, great range. His name was Mickey Thomas. Matter of fact, he did a lot of the high parts, and Grace Slick did a lot of the low parts. That's how high he could go. But he is somebody a lot of people don't realize. Remember the song? Fooled Around and Fell in Love by Elvin Bishop. Yeah, that was a uh, top 40 hit in the 70s. He, yes, that was his voice. He's the one that sang that, the guy from Starship. I had no idea. I had no I idea. Did, so I here, just wanted you to know that. Thank you. Here, here it's <laughs> whatever, 40, 46 <laughs> years later, and now I know. <laughs> okay, Bob. What about Grace Slick? Now, here's the question. Oh, first, guess yeah. how, how old Grace Slick is right now. I don't know. What is she, Bob? Like mid-70s? 83. Is she that? Oh, wow. Well, and guess what her uh, birth name was? Ooh. You know, I heard this one time, and I can't re What was it? Grace Barnett Wing. Wait, I did hear that a yeah. long time ago. Grace. Well, I, I had to look it up. It says here on... Uh, Wikipedia it says she retired from music in 1990 but continues to be active in the visual arts field. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996 as a member of Jefferson Airplane. So I um, I don't know how she's doing. You never know when you bring up someone who was very prominent say in the 60s and 70s and they're still alive at age 83 and you've heard nothing about them so you don't know if she's doing well, or if she may not be doing well, but certainly it'd be nice to talk with her. Certainly. It really would. But yeah, I had the, you got me thinking, Bob. It's, it's funny when you, you started playing White Rabbit, because that's the first thing I thought of when that caller called in. When you said, follow the White Rabbit, okay. Well, now you know Mickey Thomas. Absolutely. Thank you for the info. You're welcome. You take care. 956 WNBF. It's commercial radio and yet strangely educational radio. <laughs> That's the story of Bob Joseph Live. Have you? Joseph live at News Radio WNBF. I always have a few questions. Well, that's the point. If you uh, are a journalist, you had better have at least a few questions, and, and therefore you'll get <laughs> a few answers. Yes, a few answers. I'll have a couple of really interesting stories on the website WNBF.com this afternoon. If you like, if you like local news, then you'll like some of the stories you see breaking this afternoon at WNBF.com. I encourage you to check it out throughout the day. It's 10 o'clock. This is WNBF. Where news breaks first. 
News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Still looking at the calm before the storm for today. Mostly sunny skies with a high in the low to mid-30s. Keeping an eye on a system that may be hitting our area on Thursday, bringing snow and mixed precipitation. More on that as the week progresses. A Broome County man is in custody after threats reportedly made on social media prompted lockouts at Whitney Point, Shenangle Fork, Shenangle Valley, Binghamton, Johnson City, and Maine Edwell schools, as well as Wilson, Binghamton General, and Lourdes Hospitals. Police had been advised yesterday to be on the lookout for a 42-year-old man who allegedly made threats to use weapons at a school or hospital. Broome Sheriff's deputies surrounded a home on Route 12 in Shenangle Forks where the suspect vehicle was found and took a man into custody at about 1.25 p.m. yesterday. Sheriff David Harder has not offered additional information about the suspect, what alerted authorities to the possible threat, and what charges are being filed. Authorities say there was no actual danger to any of the institution's students or staff. Fracking can resume in Dimmick, Pennsylvania, after being banned while allegations that the drillers caused pollution of the water supplies worked their way through the court system. In November, the new owner of Cabot Oil & Gas, Cotera Energy, pleaded no contest to misdemeanor violations of the Pennsylvania Clean Streams Law and agreed to fund the new water public water system to pay and pay for the affected what residents' water bills for 75 years. In obtaining public records of the action, the Associated Press says it has learned the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection quietly lifted its moratorium on fracking on the date of the agreement with Cotera. The company still cannot drill new gas wells inside the moratorium area, but it can drill horizontally for miles from new wells outside the prohibited area. A couple of Broome County drug dealers are headed to prison. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says 53-year-old Robert Randolph of Endicott has pleaded guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance after being arrested on August 17th following a search of his East Main Street home, where police found methamphetamine he intended to sell. The parolee will serve five years in New York State Prison plus two years post-release supervision. Meanwhile, 39-year-old Joshua Bonker of Kirkwood is also pleading guilty in Broome County Court. He will serve two years in prison for felony attempted criminal possession of a controlled substance after a search of his home on State Route 11 in Kirkwood on March 2nd, 2021, turned up cocaine and fentanyl. Bonker had a previous conviction for felony attempted grand larceny. The owners of the former IBM Endicott site are moving forward with plans to tear down several unused buildings to clear the way for the redevelopment of the lot. The demolition work could get underway sometime this winter if logistical issues can be worked out. Chris Pelter, who manages the Huron campus, says the removal of the old pedestrian walkway over McKinley Avenue was completed on schedule and the street was reopened to traffic late on Friday afternoon. CVS and Walgreens have finalized more than $10 billion, with a B, billion dollars in settlements of lawsuits filed in New York, Pennsylvania, and other states over the toll of the opioids their pharmacies sold. Now it's up to the states to decide whether to join or be able to take their own claims to court under settlements announced on Monday. The pharmacy's tentative deals were announced last month. Most of the money is to be used to address an addiction and overdose crisis that's continuing to rage across the U.S. New York Attorney General Letitia James' office says the payments from CVS will be spread over the period of 10 years, with the Walgreens payments spread over 20 
25 years beginning in the second half of 2023. New York will receive $458,210,563 under the agreement. Lawyers on the case will also get a share. Nationwide settlements and tentative settlements reached in recent years total more than $50 billion. A scam where a company is selling fake local police agency swag is rearing its head again. This time, the Vestal Police are advising people they are not selling VPD merch. In a post on Facebook, the Vestal Police warned that's been caused to their attention that some people are receiving text messages advertising merchandise with the Vestal Police logo on it. They say, please know these items are counterfeit and unauthorized by the police department. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, sunny today, a high in the low to mid-30s, increasing clouds tonight, low in the upper teens. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, high in the low 30s. Then that storm system moving in for Thursday with an 80% chance of snow and sleet. Gusty winds as high as 24 miles an hour and a high in the mid-30s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF. We're taking your calls now at 607 772 1290. Go ahead, give me a call. Didn't I make you feel like you were the only man? Didn't I give you everything that a woman possibly can? Happy Holidays from WNBF. What else is going to happen today? Well, of course, in the news business, we have no idea. Every day starts factory fresh, a blank slate, and then you just see what happens. You just wait for it to happen, and then you go out and cover the news. I've already been out covering a couple things this morning the one thing i'll tell you about covering the news in mid-december your hands get really cold when you're taking pictures and videos so that's just a tip for aspiring journalists if you plan to cover stories in the northeast in mid-december make sure you don't uh, wind up with frostbite, or maybe they'll have to take uh, drastic action. Drastic action to save your digits. Oh, the weather. A lot of people were saying, well, Bob, how come you don't do more about the weather? Because everybody loves the weather, everybody needs the weather, and that's all people have in common anymore. We may not like sports or we may not like politics or we may not like business news but everybody likes the weather so here is something to consider and i wouldn't be shocked 
the way things are setting up. I would not be surprised if we wind up with Dave Nicosia on the program tomorrow from the National Weather Service because we've got some weather that's coming our way. And when weather comes our way, usually Dave Nicosia is the person who winds up on the program. So here's, here's what we know at the moment. And I'll be the first to admit we don't know a whole lot, but we do know that a winter storm is possible uh, Thursday and Friday with the potential for an extended period of snow or a wintry mix. So that's tantalizing, right? You're saying, oh, great. Well, that sounds like a setup from about two years ago when we wound up getting blasted with 44 or 45 inches of snow. That's just, that's super duper. Uh, the reality is no one seems to know around here how much snow we will receive. The only thing people are willing to tell us is that it's a winter storm. And technically, of course, it's just a storm with snow and other frozen precipitation happening in autumn. Because you can't have a winter storm until it's winter. It's still... You know, winter is still, I guess, a week away. So this will be a late autumn storm that will have wintry, a wintry mix of precipitation, I guess. So as they say on radio and TV, stay tuned. We'll continue to monitor. What does this mean for your ability to get to work Thursday and Friday? That's a good question. I don't know. I guess... I guess that all depends. If you wind up with two inches at your house, you'll probably be able to get to work. If you wind up with 22 inches, maybe not. Bob Joseph live coming up. We'll talk with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney about some key village issues. So you're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Seventeen, Bob Joseph live at WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. We welcome back to the program Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing today? I'm okay. How are the village people? Everybody's doing well. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me back. Yeah. As you know, Johnson City is my favorite village. Always has been, always will be. And there's a lot for you to like about it. Oh, my gosh. And it keeps getting better all the time. Yes. So, um, first, oh, I know. See, usually I go right into these live interviews with my own agenda and and have lots of topics. But why don't I give you the opportunity to tell me on this Tuesday morning the big story in Johnson City. What is the big, big most important story right now in Johnson City, New York, as you see it from the mayor's office? Uh, the development that's happening. It's, it's all, that's the big story. I was fortunate enough yesterday to uh, go through the Victory Factory 
um, to see how that's progressing on the inside. It looks gorgeous from the outside, uh, and the inside matches the outside. It's, it's done a beautiful job in there transforming the, the ugly duckling in Johnson City to the beautiful swan. It is absolutely just gorgeous in there. Uh, there's big cranes up. You know, when you see cranes, that's a good thing. That means development. The uh, crane over at the hospital, uh, they're going to be putting steel up, and that's going to look like a massive erector set here soon enough, and, and that's going to be uh, moving quickly. And uh, over to the mall, we've, we've got the crane work over to the mall right now, working on the uh, the Dick's House of Sports. And, uh, you know, it's funny that the uh, the mounds that were there before they were covered with snow, believe it or not, I saw a couple dandelions on it. You know, so there was grass and dandelions on a couple of those mounds, but now it's all covered with snow. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, you know, we'll see grass and dandelions there soon enough that the snow doesn't stick around. Um, it's just, it's just great seeing the development. Uh, the main street, I don't know if anybody's had an opportunity to drive down main street, but if you start down, uh, on the arch coming into main street, heading west, you'll see how beautifully decorated it's, uh, been done. Our public works did a gorgeous job with wrapping the light posts and putting the wreaths up. Uh, the library is decorated for the first time in uh, recent memory, maybe forever. We've got a, a tree at the library. The uh, Veterans Park gazebo is decorated very nicely. So it's just, uh, it really looks when you're coming down Main Street like uh, there's activity, but it's it's also inviting. It's, it's homey. It's 1020. We're speaking with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney. You mentioned the uh, Victory Lofts project. The last time I was in there, they had opened up uh, or completed a model apartment, but I know a lot more has has happened since then. Give me a, a description of of what you saw. Obviously, I suspect you were in there during the summer months, and and probably what you saw yesterday looked quite a bit different than what you saw the last time you were inside the building. Well, actually, I haven't been inside the building since the groundbreaking. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, oh, okay. At point, it was you know they had some. Um, some of the floors uh, studded out and uh, roughed in with utilities, and there was some sheetrock going up. Uh, so now this time going through, the, the hardwood floors are in, the uh, the doors, the, the interior lighting, and how the interior trays are going to run for the utilities, uh, that's all in. We did go into a couple apartments, um, one two-bedroom and one one-bedroom, and it was just there, you know, uh, pointed beautifully. The amenities are all there. It's just this gorgeous uh, was seeing the, the, with windows in and just the view um, was amazing and it's it's really funny that you know there here's this big concrete building and the 14 uh, foot ceilings how quiet it was in there you know you re- there was there was very little road noise actually there was no road noise and you would think it's talking in a room that had 14 foot ceilings with you know concrete floor and concrete walls that it would just echo around it, it didn't it was it was just absolutely beautiful. Uh, and the colors, the, the paint colors, it's, it's, it's just exciting. Um, I can't wait for it to be filled with people, and hopefully, uh, you know, within the next couple of months, that's going to start. Well, you mentioned with the windows and, and how quiet it is. We were contacted uh, oh, just last week by the company that made the windows. It's some company out in Ohio, and they're really proud of, of the window units that they designed because they're, um, you know, with special... I don't know if it's soundproofing. Obviously, it's it's thick. And when I was in there uh, a few months ago, we saw guys, like three or four big guys, uh, maneuvering one of these giant window sec- sections into place in, in one of the apartments. And it is. It's nice to see um, some U.S.-made equipment, the windows and so on, 
made by American workers in Ohio going into this uh, old factory building that served Johnson City so well for a lot of the 20th century. Yes, no, that is exciting. It's, it's nice to see American-made products being utilized. So where do things stand now? Uh, Matt Paulus, the last time I touched base with him, said that he expected occupancy to happen in January. But I understand the schedule may have changed. Yes, they're looking now uh, for March, moving on March 1st. Uh, I guess there has been some disruptions, as everybody knows, in the supply chain um, with some electrical equipment, and uh, that's put them behind. So does he think that all of the apartments, because I believe it's a, about 156 apartment units that are planned to be part of the Victory Lofts development, does he think all 156 apartments could be ready by March 1st? Uh, yes. I mean, there's uh, between 150 and 200 people working there on daily. You know, and it's, you don't see as much now because all the outside work is, is fairly completed. So they're all on the inside. Um, you know, so it, again, uh, he knows his, his trait, he knows his business. So I'm sure he'll be ready to roll by March 1st. If that's, you know, with that being the new date. So did you speak with him Monday when you went on the tour of the building? No, he wasn't there. Uh, there, um, Sarah McCurcher, and I can't remember the other gentleman's name who was their leasing representative. Uh, they're the ones that gave us the tour. So speaking of that, and I, I know uh, not too long ago they put up a giant banner on the north side of the building, so even people driving past, I guess you might be able to spot it from Route 17, there's a giant banner that says now leasing, the Victory Lofts now leasing. So do you have a sense, uh, based on any conversations, how the initial leasing activity is going? It's going very well. Um, they are they're happy with the how quickly uh, people are inquiring and, and signing up. Uh, and they're anticipating um, once BU students come back in and the pharmacy school gets back going after the winter recess. And uh, with the hospital, uh, when they get their new um, class of residents in, you know, that that'll even uh, speed up the, the lease process. So tell me what you think is mayor of Johnson City, because I know just a few short years ago, the story was about this building. It was beyond. It was beyond saving. There was a front page newspaper story in the Press and Sun Bulletin that said Victory Building essentially must go. It needs to be demolished because it can't be fixed. And now look at it here as we approach 2023 with the infusion of Obviously, millions and millions of dollars from various sources, including some gov government support, but it's it's being transformed. The building just uh, five or six years ago had been pretty much left for dead. Well, it's nice because I think it's, if you have good vision and, and a good plan, um, I don't think anything's beyond repair. You know, obviously, you know, the roof wasn't caved in, the floors weren't caved in. Um, so when they came through and somebody, a, a true developer came in and said, hey, listen, I've got a vision for this and I could make it happen. Um, obviously, you know, he had the vision and he had the, the know-how to, to get it done. Um, or maybe the other developers in the past uh, didn't quite have the vision where they could get the, uh, the project completed. 
1027. We're talking with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney. Another related component of redevelopment in that part of the village near Lester Avenue and Helen Street, there's, or Helen Drive, is um, that old brick building at 19 Avenue B. And I understand yeah. that uh, Matthew Paulus also is developing plans for that as well. Obviously, working one thing at a time, completing victory loss, and then uh, a new residential development on a smaller scale at that uh, brick building just to the south of the old victory factory. Yes, I can't remember the number of the part of apartments. It's between 30 and 40 um, one-bedrooms and three commercial components uh, he's looking to develop 19 Avenue B into. Do you know if that'll be a specific type of of project uh, um, going after a, a specific market segment? Have you heard if if he has a a plan? You know, perhaps to target. The, the last I spoke with uh, with Mr. Paulus is he was exploring all up um, all possibilities. He's not really uh, committed yet to exactly where he's going to go. Other than you know, it's going to be. Uh, one-bedroom apartments, and three commercial spaces. What was that building initially? It was, they called it the Toe Box Factory. Um, so it was obviously, it was an Endicott Johnson factory, exactly what the Toe Box was. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I know um, Volunteers of America was in there for a while. Um, after that, I think they got burned out on Clinton Street many, many years ago. And then there was a, a roofing company in there. Uh, I think they were the last occupant of the building. And even at one point, somebody was talking about using that to bottle and can yes. craft beverages. I know that was one of the ideas that was floated um, three or four years ago. Yes, the village own, owns the building. And uh, that was something that we were looking to do was to, uh, you know, try to get somebody to come in there because with the the craft beer industry in the area really taking off to turn it into a bottling plant. You know, not the village, but that was that was one of the, the ideas we were, were looking to uh, get an RFP for. Well, it was located right next to where um, the Binghamton, Binghamton Brewing Brewery Company. Is, yeah. yeah, what? so they went out of business. Have you heard anything new about them? Uh, them? Because I, I was hearing basically on-again, off-again plans that they were hoping to... Uh, Reestablish an operation in Johnson City. I believe that they're pushing forward with their plans to uh, open up in the Century Sunrise Complex, which is behind the Binghamton uh, University School of Pharmacy. On the other side of the tracks, on yeah. the uh, south side of the tracks, just yeah. over from the Binghamton University uh, Health and Sciences campus. And Speaking of the Health and Sciences Campus, the research and development pro, uh, research and development building is nearing completion. At least the yes. exterior is almost done. Yes. Uh, I don't know um, exactly when they plan an opening, um, but that's still helping development through our Main Street corridor. Uh, I know that they're um, really trying to continue to work east with getting some uh, type of development to the old Oslid factory. Uh, the uh, crime victims 
Assistance Association is going to be moving to Main Street in Johnson City in the near future. And I think the Mothers and Babies Network is looking at a, um, a building on Grand Ave. They're exploring the possibilities of moving into a building on Grand Ave in Johnson City, which would be right across the street from 333 where uh, Regan Development's looking to, to put in his structure. And I was going to mention that because um, a little over a month ago, we were talking with the um, developer of that project. Larry Regan was on this program uh, describing the four-story complex he wants to build there on Grand Avenue, where many people might recall the legendary Philadelphia sales store was located. That's correct, yes. Yeah, he's a a four-story, I want to say 72 units. That's what he. That's what he said on the program. Seventy-two units, uh, in in that apartment complex, and that unlike the previous project he did with the um, Sunrise Century complex uh, to the south, this will be built from the ground up. This is a, a vacant lot right now. It's just uh, some concrete and asphalt and trees and weeds or there were weeds there when I was there before the snow started. So this would be a project that would um, go from the ground up and I believe would also have um, a bit of a retail component too, about 6,200 square feet of retail space. Right, and I believe their vision for the retail space is going to be daycare. Well, that would seem appropriate. The other thing that he mentioned too is because... He's now aware of the history of the site. Philadelphia Sales was there for uh, a few decades, starting back in 1959. He mentioned that he would be open to um, people coming up with a a name for that new apartment complex, maybe something that would play off the old Philadelphia Sales or or Philly store, since it does sort of have that, uh, that connotation for people who lived in the Johnson City area for many years. I was always known as Phillies. Yeah. Maybe maybe they could have a little popcorn store in the corner, you know, and sell the uh, iconic or delightful oh. Philadelphia sales type popcorn. Maybe that could be the start of a brand new business empire. Oh, there you go. They would do very well. Yep. Got the recipe in the old popcorn machine. It'd be a home run. Yep. It's 1033. We're talking with the Johnson City Mayor, Martin Maney. Oh, another thing we uh, talked talked about the Binghamton University Health Sciences campus. Another thing that is also nearing completion is the um, it's going to be a senior health clinic that uh, is being developed in conjunction with Lord's Hospital. Yes, I I don't know when their moving date is, um, but I know that uh, the site is is nearly complete. I think they're still doing some outside site work. Um, and I, again, I don't have any idea when they're going to uh, be moving in. Yeah, I think I think they're saying early next year. Actually, it could be close to late spring. Although the project, the exterior, is done. They got the the paving done for the parking lot, and even the parking lot is striped. They got that in under the wire before things got cold. There still is a lot of work that needs to be done inside as far as uh, equipment and getting things ready. So I believe the goal is to have that open by late spring or early summer. That would be good. And that's, uh, you know, another thing we're trying to uh, 
you know, help with. I don't know if you drove up Lewis Street when you went by there, but if you noticed how that's now a one-way street uh, with all angled parking, uh, we're hoping to, as soon as uh, they get them programmed and get them in, our kiosks for our parking for downtown and our Flowbird system, uh, hopefully that should be up and running in the not-too-distant future. And then we'll slowly start seeing the uh, meters go away. And also, um, we've signed an agreement with uh, a company to do our um, EV charging station, so they should be popping up in the near future as well. How many EV charging stations would initially be put in? I, you know, I haven't looked at the proposal in a long time, and I think I can find it here. Um, they did a study of the village, and they located some areas that weren't even um, village property. And now I can't, I can't seem to locate the contract. Any rate, the uh, called for one or two in our municipal lot on Isabel Street, a couple in our municipal lot on Willow, um, one or two on Lewis Street. Uh, those, you know, the village-owned ones initially to start up. And then they will readjust from there. How soon could those start appearing? Would that be sometime in the spring, most likely? Yes. yes. Well, speaking of Lewis Street, I I was I drove down Lewis Street two hours ago just to make sure that they hadn't torn down that uh, lodge way. building, the Unity Lodge building that Binghamton University just um, acquired. I mean, there had been negotiations going on for months, but the uh, purchase was um, finalized several weeks ago. So I know the university is um, planning, I think, to tear that down to make uh, additional green space. Have you heard if if they intend to tear that down anytime soon to add to the green space that is part of sort of a a park-like development that the university envisions? I have not. Uh, I have not heard when they plan on tearing that down. Uh, I know that they'd like to get it, the street completely, so they could turn it into their green space. Um, we're going to be moving forward with our little um, this place of green space there on Jenison Park. We're going to be moving forward this spring with the redevelopment of that. Uh, and we're working with BU, so we believe our plans will tie in nicely with theirs. So when do you think all the plans for... The Villages Park and also the additional green space that the university wants to develop on the a couple of dozen properties it's acquired over the last few years. How soon will those plans be finalized? I know ours is, is fairly complete. I can't speak to Binghamton Universities. Um, and that's, you know, we're also working with uh, Fisher Engineering as well to do our streetscapes program on Main Street. Uh, that should be developed fairly soon, and we should hopefully start seeing some uh, changes on our Main Street uh, next year as well. So what would that entail? What would Main Street look like with some of the changes that are being planned? Uh, shortening of the streets, putting bump outs, or narrowing the street, putting bump outs in certain areas so lane travel won't be as um, Crossing the street won't be as wide uh, for the pedestrians. Different lighting, uh, seating on Main Street, uh, different planter boxes. It's just uh, like a really nice beautification um, of our Main Street of downtown.
So it sounds as though part of the plan is to have a, a traffic calming element to make it yes. more yeah. more suitable, more aesthetically pleasing, even for pedestrians or people on bikes. Yes. Um, we believe we're going to be seeing a lot more foot traffic through our downtown area. So that would be something that we uh, we want to make it more walkable. We want it to make it more inviting. We'll continue our conversation with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney in just a moment. It's 1039. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. You wash your hands. News Radio 1040 WNBF, WNBF.com. Bob Joseph, and we're speaking with the mayor of Johnson City, Martin Maney. Well, one story that was in the news in the last uh, week or two involved uh, a business that was uh, suspected of illegally selling marijuana, having uh, basically a, a retail operation uh, which was not licensed in New York State. And I know I spoke with the village police chief, Brent Dodge, about the action that was taken at a store that was called High Standards on Floral Avenue. Have they reopened, to your knowledge? Uh, no. They, are, uh, they have vacated the building, and the space is now currently for rent. So what happens if somebody else moves in and tries to pull the same thing? Do you think the outcome is going to be similar if they... If somebody wants to set up a so-called gifting shop where you could buy a piece of art for $50 and then turn it in for a gift of weed, you think um, the village, either the police or the code people or both, would, would take steps against that kind of business? I believe we would treat it the same as we treated high standards. Yes. I would... Uh... You know, if anybody wants to open, they have to follow the proper procedures. Uh, for um, we opted in for the for the sale of uh, marijuana, um, but you know they have to follow the procedures set forth by the state. They have to get a permit, and then after they get permitted by the state, then they have to come to our planning board to uh, you know put in site plans. They have to go through zoning. They have to go through the whole process. They cannot just uh, walk in and set up a sticker shop, for lack of a better term. So the police developed some evidence to uh, obtain a search warrant, and then they executed the warrant on November 22nd. So police officers and uh, village code representative were on hand for that. Are there, at the moment, any other similar operations in Johnson City that are on your radar? Not that I know of. Um, I know there was one that tried to go through planning a while back, and uh, planning shut it down. You know, saying no, it wasn't uh, was not allowed. After the action was taken against the high standard store at two seventy nine Floral Avenue, I understand you had a chat with both the mayor of Binghamton, Jared Cram, and also the mayor of the village of Endicott, Linda Jackson. Yes, I just wanted to let them know that uh, what had happened in Johnson City, how this uh, the store popped up overnight, and uh, how we dealt with it. Uh, and just to, to to let them know that they're in the area, and if there's anything we can do to help them, we would. And from what I've gleaned so far, there is uh, an expectation at some point, maybe in the not too distant future, that the the neighboring communities will start taking some similar action to what happened in Johnson City a few weeks ago. 
Um, I'm not at liberty to give an answer on that because I don't really know um, what they've got in their plans. Do you think you'll have any meetings possibly with Binghamton or or Endicott representatives going forward to talk more about the issue and maybe develop some sort of uniform strategy dealing with these stores? I I would welcome it. I I think that we should have some type of... uh, continuity, you know, throughout the whole county. Um, so this is dealt with on, you know, the same level. Uh, the, the gifting of marijuana, I believe, is not um, an accepted practice by New York State standards. And I know, you know, our state is looking as this marijuana uh, to become a source of revenue for the state. So I really don't think that they're going to want to, they, they're not going to allow competition, for lack of a better term, with people that they're not going to be able to get their um, their tax on. It's 1047. We're talking about all things Johnson City this hour with the Mayor Martin Maney. We touched on the new improved mall, Oakdale Commons, and it is amazing the amount of work going on. It's also, to be sure, a lot of work has happened over the last six months, but the next six months could be as busy or maybe even more busy with ongoing demolition and construction that's planned. I, I just, it's uh, like a bunch of ants on an anthill over there, just with the amount of earth that they've brought in to raise the level of the parking lot up for the uh, Dick's House of Sports is amazing. Uh, you know, I'm sure the spring will bring a whole new construction season for other uh, potential uh, stores coming into the mall. Well, it's an interesting point of transition because here we are uh, in the holiday shopping season and some of the remaining businesses, although they are are very active and will be over the next two or three weeks, they're also sort of in a state of suspended animation because some of those existing businesses that are still operating at the mall very soon will have to close up shop and possibly relocate, perhaps elsewhere in the village. Yeah, again, I'm not liberally to give a good uh, answer to that, Bob, because I don't know if the stores in the mall are being relocated throughout the mall into a different area, if they're being shuttered because they're being asked to leave. I I don't know um, the the reason for them closing up shop. Have you heard anything more about when the big announcements are coming? Because uh, a lot of people are anxiously awaiting the big announcements for... A couple, at least a couple of key entities at the revitalized mall. I have not been uh, privileged to any type of discussion uh, on when they, they plan on announcing any of the new development coming to the mall. So you as mayor, would you be happy if BJ's Wholesale Club opens at the mall over on the west side of the property and starts selling gas and other things? As the mayor of Johnson City, as I think every resident in the and not just the village, but the whole county, um, would accept any type of growth, any type of development, any type of um, recognized business coming into the mall. Because the mall, it, it is in Johnson City, but it is a, it's a regional component. You know, the whole region would suffer if the mall was to go away. So seeing the mall being redeveloped, yes, it's in Johnson City. Will Johnson City see some benefit from it? Absolutely. But so will the entire region. So I think everybody would be happy to say any type of good development that comes to the Oakdale Commons would be welcomed. 
What about traffic? I, I know I talk with people about traffic. There's already a lot of traffic that uh, moves through that area, especially in this period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. What with the existing operations at the mall, some new businesses, some of the existing businesses, and also with the uh, traffic volume generated by Wegmans on the other side of Harry L. Drive. So if you wind up with a BJ's Wholesale Club and a Chick-fil-A and a few other uh, amenities that, that could open in the next six to 12 months, how is the village going to handle potential traffic issues in the mall area? Well, there's a couple of different uh, things to this. You have to remember the mall at one time had over 120 stores and the village was able to handle the traffic flow then. If and when these new developments come to the mall, um, I, I'm sure between the village and the state, that we will be able to come up with some type of plans to alleviate any type of traffic congestion that would come through there. So you think it can be handled without without having constant gridlock? I would hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm not a traffic engineer, um, but again, that whole intersection was developed when there were 125 stores in the mall. And um, I guess that would be um, as far as the village's standpoint, my personal standpoint, I don't know about everybody else in the village, but my personal standpoint, and maybe that's a good problem that we would have to encounter and a good problem to come up with a solution for that we have too much traffic coming into Johnson City. Well, that's one thing that uh, in Broome County we haven't had to deal much uh, with traffic over the last decade, except when they were given out the masks when COVID started right. there, when they, they had the mask giveaway at the mall, and then uh, early this year when they were giving out COVID tests over at Otsenango Park, those were the two biggest traffic issues I've seen around here in the last five years. Right, and I, I don't know. Um, we're blessed in this area where we're not super small, but we're not massive. We don't have traffic problems. We have traffic inconveniences. Um, there's other areas of the state where truly traffic is horrific and and it is a problem and yeah we we, we don't around here we really don't know what a traffic jam is no a true traffic jam uh in uh, the short time we have left what's the uh latest on efforts to make some repairs to the arch at the uh, johnson city binghamton line again that is still uh, with the engineering firm uh, once their design is completed, we will send it out to bid and get that moving as soon as possible. Anything that we didn't touch on that we should have? Um, just uh, you know, we didn't really hit too much of Main Street up, but there's um, uh, Gabriella's Bakery is going to be opening up uh, in the spring, and there's there's uh, a couple other buildings that they've uh, they're called White Boxing, where they've done the uh, the commercial spaces on the first floor, so people it's uh, not shovel-ready, but it's turnkey-ready, where you can move in and start your business, and they're still making a lot of nice facade improvements along Main Street. Oh, and, I know uh, what we didn't talk about, the uh, the plasma place. See, the, yes. the plasma place, are they preparing to to uh, get set up at the, the old Save-A-Lot grocery store on Main Street? I have not seen anything other than the, uh, the preliminaries that went through uh, the planning board. I have not heard of a date that they're going to start doing anything. I don't even know if the current owner has sold the building or is leasing it to them well, it'll be interesting because csl plasma even though people don't 
really understand it that much. It's it's quite a big operation. I mean, it's just one part of a of a huge company. So I, I think we'll I have to keep an eye on that. I appreciate your time. We'll keep in touch with you in the uh, coming year. I think there will be a lot going on in Johnson City. Mayor Martin Maney, thank you for your time. Bob, Joseph, thank you so much for having me on your show. And uh, I hope you have a, a wonderful and happy holiday season and a good new year. Thank you. You as well. Sten 54, Bob Joseph Live, always with a few questions on WNBF. We're not. It's Tuesday morning. Coming up, we'll be taking your phone calls. So if you have something you'd like to say, I'm all ears. I want to hear from you this morning right here on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Still looking at the calm before the storm for today. Mostly sunny skies with a high in the low to mid-30s. Keeping an eye on a system that may be hitting our area on Thursday, bringing snow and mixed precipitation. More on that as the week progresses. A Broome County man is in custody after threats reportedly made on social media prompted lockouts at Whitney Point, Shenango Fork, Shenango Valley, Binghamton, Johnson City, and Maine Edwell schools, as well as Wilson, Binghamton General, and Lourdes Hospitals. Police had been advised yesterday to be on the lookout for a 42-year-old man who allegedly made threats to use weapons at a school or hospital. Broome Sheriff's deputies surrounded a home on Route 12 in Shenango Forks where the suspect vehicle was found and took a man into custody at about 1.25 p.m. yesterday. Sheriff David Harder has not offered additional information about the suspect, what alerted authorities to the possible threat, and what charges are being filed. Authorities say there was no actual danger to any of the institution's students or staff. Fracking can resume in Dimmick, Pennsylvania, after being banned while allegations that the drillers caused pollution of the water supplies worked their way through the court system. In November, the new owner of Cabot Oil and Gas, Cotera Energy, pleaded no contest to misdemeanor violation of the Pennsylvania Clean Streams Law and agreed to fund the new water public water system to pay and pay for the affected residents' water bills for 75 years. In obtaining public records of the action, the Associated Press says it has learned the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection quietly lifted its moratorium on fracking on the date of the agreement with Cotera. The company still cannot drill new gas wells inside the moratorium area, but it can drill horizontally for miles from new wells outside the prohibited area. A couple of Broome County drug dealers are headed to prison. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says 53-year-old Robert Randolph of Endicott has pleaded guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance after being arrested on August 17th following a search of his East Main Street home, where police found methamphetamine he intended to sell. The parolee will serve five years in New York State Prison plus two years post-release supervision. Meanwhile, 39-year-old Joshua Bonker of Kirkwood is also pleading guilty in Broome County Court. He will serve two years in prison for felony attempted criminal possession of a controlled substance after a search of his home on State Route 11 in Kirkwood on March 2, 2021, turned up cocaine and fentanyl. Bonker had a previous conviction for felony attempted grand larceny. 
The owners of the former IBM Endicott site are moving forward with plans to tear down several unused buildings to clear the way for the redevelopment of the lot. The demolition work could get underway sometime this winter if logistical issues can be worked out. Chris Pelto, who manages the Huron campus, says the removal of the old pedestrian walkway over McKinley Avenue was completed on schedule and the street was reopened to traffic late on Friday afternoon. CVS and Walgreens have finalized more than $10 billion, with a B, billion dollars in settlements of lawsuits filed in New York, Pennsylvania, and other states over the toll of the opioids their pharmacies sold. Now it's up to the states to decide whether to join or be able to take their own claims to court under settlements announced on Monday. The pharmacy's tentative deals were announced last month. Most of the money is to be used to address an addiction and overdose crisis that's continuing to rage across the U.S. New York Attorney General Letitia James' office says the payments from CVS will be spread over the period of 10 years, with the Walgreens payments spread over 25 years beginning in the second half of 2023. New York will receive $458,210,563 under the agreement. Lawyers on the case will also get a share. Nationwide settlements and tentative settlements reached in recent years total more than $50 billion. A scam where a company is selling fake local police agency swag is rearing its head again. This time the Vestal Police are advising people they are not selling VPD merch. In a post on Facebook, the Vestal Police warned that's been caused to their attention that some people are receiving text messages advertising merchandise with the Vestal Police logo on it. They say, please know these items are counterfeit and unauthorized by the police department. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, sunny today, a high in the low to mid-30s, increasing clouds tonight, low in the upper teens. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, high in the low 30s. Then that storm system moving in for Thursday with an 80% chance of snow and sleet. Gusty winds as high as 24 miles an hour and a high in the mid-30s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Hey there, it's Bob Joseph live on a Tuesday morning. Oh. 607-772-1290 is our number. I know a place. I'll take you there. WNBF taking you to uh, news scenes when appropriate. And yeah, we do have some fine, fine news stories coming up today. And, and even later this week, there's some stories that are um, in the progress, a process of being reported. So. As they say, stay tuned to 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and also using your WNBF app. It's free. It's free. Available for you at the finest app stores. Well... Kirsten Gillibrand has announced the Trafficking Survivors Relief Act, a bill 
that would support crime victims and survivors of human trafficking and help them get on with their lives. According to a Kirsten Gillibrand news release, human trafficking is a modern form of slavery that involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to exploit a person for labor or commercial sex or the exploitation of a minor for commercial sex. Survivors of human trafficking, according to the news release, are commonly charged with crimes like conspiracy, prostitution, and drug trafficking that they are forced to commit as a direct result of being trafficked. I get a sense around here not a whole lot is being done on the issue. That's Every once in a while you hear somebody talk about this issue, but you still get the sense that in the Binghamton area, this is not an issue that anybody wants to do much about. I shouldn't say anybody. There are, to be sure, there are a few people who want to do something about human trafficking in the area, but generally it's not, not on the radar. But anyway, there's a new bill that would expunge the records of trafficking victims, according to Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who has yet to switch her party. So we'll see if she follows Kirsten Cinema and becomes a non-Democrat. I don't think Kirsten Gillibrand is not going to do that, but wouldn't it be funny if just to, just to get attention that Kirsten Gillibrand decided, I'm going to, I'm not going to repudiate the Democratic Party. I'm not going to become an independent. I'm going to become a Republican. <laughs> I would love to see the look on the face of Charles Schumer if that actually happened. It won't happen. Trust me, it will not happen. Of course, Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, is, uh, as I think, as I expected, I think I mentioned this earlier this week, making noise about possibly leaving the Democratic Party. And, hey, who could blame him? Who could blame him? He, too, in many ways, is like Kirsten Cinema, without the same wardrobe. Call me crazy, but I, I like Joe Manchin's wardrobe choices better than Kirsten Cinema's choices. Typically, typically, there are exceptions. But. All right, 1114, let's hit the phones and see what the callers will bring to the table on this Tuesday. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Selena from Binghamton. Hey there, what's up? Oh, I was just wondering if you heard anything about the Masonic Temple. It's driving me nuts. Are they going to redevelop it or destroy it? Mm, not, well, I know the guy who owns it. Isaac Anzaru owns it. You think I should call him and ask? Yes, please, because back in the day, that was a beautiful structure. I hate to see it go yeah, to waste. I love it. I love it. I was, uh, I'm one of the few people in America who actually has gone on a full tour of the Masonic Temple from the sub... You were inside? Yes, from the sub-basement, oh, well. the very bottom where they found that body. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, All I the way that. to the roof. I, you know, it's. I have a well-documented fear of heights, but that didn't stop me from going up to the roof. And you know how it comes up to uh, a point there on the roof near the high school? Yeah, yeah I'm, I I'm straddled that. 
I straddled I'm that. Extremely, was like, yeah. I am so extremely afraid of heights. I, <laughs> oh, I was too. But you know what? I got over my fear of heights because it was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to walk around the roof of the Masonic Temple at 66 Main Street. 66 Main, yep. yeah. Yeah. And it was, even though I was afraid of heights, I still enjoyed it. It was... Um, it was in the autumn. It was in October. Yeah, so yeah, it was windy day that. Oh uh, yeah, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny? I if thought I, f- I saw you there when yes. I was driving by. Yeah, wouldn't it, it be was funny? Real windy. There was leaves blowing right. everywhere. And I thought, wouldn't it be windy if I fell off? But as I was falling, that I got it on video, and then I could post it online <laughs> after I got out of the hospital. You do a great show, Bob. You really do. Well, you know, I try. It's not perfect, but you know, I try. You don't try. You succeed. And try to <laughs> try to call someone about that. Okay. Well, I don't. I do not want to see it go away. Yeah, I I got a call from Isaac Anzaruth the other day, and I just haven't been able to connect with him. I I called him back, oh. and um, we keep missing each other. So I'll. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so missing paths, right? Yeah. Yeah, Been I mean, because he's that. yeah. Well, he's busy and I'm busy, but we'll uh, we'll connect at some point, and I'll I'll see if I can find out what uh, what might become of the Masonic Temple. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great holiday season. You too. Thank you for your call. Eleven sixteen. At News Radio WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Binghamton, you? New York. You're you're call, you're telling me you're calling from Binghamton, New York. Yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I like to, <laughs> I like to say from Zanzibar. Yeah. Anyway, John, what's on your mind this morning? Uh, well, this is public record stuff, but uh, you know, sometimes we we don't know uh, the people uh, who we vote for and uh, their character. Uh, an interesting test of character will be our new state senator. Uh, Leah Webb uh, taking office in January, uh, hitting the jackpot, really. I mean, there's very few people that can get, you know, five or six hundred percent pay increases, uh, but you can do that if you win an election. Now, she has a current judgment with Broome County for a credit card debt of four thousand plus dollars. It's been on there for a couple of years. So uh, I guess her pay is ten thousand. A month plus the per diem. Let's let's call it twelve thousand, thirteen thousand a month. Uh, I would say that if that bill is not paid, that judgment is not paid uh, within a month. Uh, that shows her character. Well, without casting aspersions, I think a lot of people in elective office in Albany and Washington, there are a lot of things they do that display their character to us. Have you noticed? And I I don't want to, I mean, this is the holiday season, so now is not the time to to pass judgment. I mean, now is the time to say, I mean, in fairness, and I try to be fair, in my my view, John, even though some people over the last 12 months have engaged in certain ethically questionable or dubious behavior, but because I'm in a generous spirit, I've decided, despite despite evidence to the contrary, uh, this year everybody has been nice, and they're all nobody 
nobody, at least in the um, tri-state area, is going on my naughty list. I, and some people would say, well, Bob, I mean, clearly there are a few people who you've covered over the last 12 months who rightfully deserve to be on the naughty list, and to which I would say, yeah, that may be true, but in the spirit of the season, I am putting everybody, 100% of, of the people in the tri-state area, on the nice list, and I, I will not castigate or judge any of their behavior over the past year. Okay, well, let me, let me just talk about one thing. The, a fellow mentioned Woodstock uh, yesterday. And, uh, you know, many times in this life, people, uh, they don't hide their agenda. And uh, there was uh, a group called the Jefferson Airplane, you know, uh, signed by a major corporation, you know, RCA Records, given a huge advance. And they promoted psychedelic drugs and political change. And one of the songs that they performed at Woodstock, but the particularly note, if you missed Woodstock, then you could have, the Monday after Woodstock, you could have catched it on the Dick Cavett show. But uh, let me just read these lyrics. We are all out, and, and you can tell me if it didn't come true. We are all outlaws. This is a song we can be together in the eyes of America. In order to survive, we steal, cheat, lie the F word, uh, hide and deal. We are obscene, lawless, hideous, dangerous, dirty, violent, and young. But we should be together. Uh, come on, all you people standing around. Our life's too fine to let it die. We can be together. All your private property is target for your enemy, and your enemy is we. We are the focus of chaos and anarchy. Everything they say we are, we are, and we are very proud of ourselves. Up against the wall, up against the wall, mf -er, tear down the walls. Come on, now get together, tear down the walls. A new continent of earth and fire. Won't you try? So there you go. We must begin here and now. Wow. 1969, that yep. song was written. Yeah, and, and it came to pass. It came, it came to pass. It was sort of, uh, and who knew it at the time? If, if we were listening to it on WKOP-FM with Stoned Phillips or whoever the morning guy was, hey, man. And, and who, who knew that in less than a half century, the lyrics to that song came true? I hate to tell you who was on WKOP-FM. Oh, I think I know. Uh, yeah. You're talking to him right now. <laughs> oh, really? Wait a second. You were? Yeah. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah. And uh, how? I made, how on I, earth? How on earth have you participated on this program on WNBF? And we've we've talked on and off air over over the years. How on earth did I not know that you were on KOP FM? Well, let me tell you what happened, uh, Mike. Raymond, Mike Flatt. Michael J. Raymond. Yeah, was a friend, and I, I used to hang out out there at the transmitter, and uh, one day he wanted me to take his Camaro to Ken Wilson, his brand-new Camaro, for a, a service check. And I, I didn't want to do it. I said, well, I'll do it if you give me a job, you know. And I, I sort of laughed, and he said, yeah, okay, you, you get the next job. And I says, are you going to put it in writing? So he wrote, <laughs> he wrote, uh, I, I will... Uh, give you the next job. And this was when the thing was just getting started. So, 
uh, I took his car for service, and uh, he, he gave me a job. But the problem was I was going to high school at the time, and uh, there was two problems. Number one, I played Grand Funk Railroad at 7 in the morning. That was By the way, what air name did you use? I, I'm that, I'm that, that you're not going to get out of me at that time. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Continue. So uh, uh, I, I uh, had to go. I would get back late at high school, uh, you know, like 20 minutes late. Um, and uh, I didn't want the school authorities to know that I was uh, uh, doing this. You know, because I, I thought it was pretty kooky to be a, a disc jockey, you know. So I didn't want them to, uh, to to know about it, so I kept it under the QT. And then I sort of thought, well, they send the, 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 the female students to IBM for an internship. Maybe I should I should couch it that way, you know. Uh, but I, I instead I just decided uh, that it was high school or the radio. And I, I, unfortunately, I chose high school because... <laughs> That doesn't that that was actually a bona fides in the in the to quit high school was you know up up your status in the, in the world of rock and roll. Yeah, well, it's so you and I actually do have something in common. You you and I both were on the air on the radio here in the Triple Cities when we were in high school. Now here's here's a preview of the coming attraction for. 2023, and I did two hours or three hours of interviews with people, and I never mentioned this, and this was the interview. I'll give you the tagline. Uh, I slept in Sylvester Stallone's bed for three months, and someday next year I'll, I'll tell you this. As they say, stay tuned. Thank you very much. I, yeah. I think we've all learned something today. Oh, my goodness. 1125, and the hits just keep on coming. 607-772-1290 Bob Joseph live on News Radio 921 FM 1290 AM and streaming at wnbf.com for Joseph on the hot AM, 1290, 92, 1 FM. Let's go to Owego, shall we, and say good morning to Jesse. You're on the air. Man, oh man, oh man, what an excellent day. And the more I learn about John, oh my God, the more I laugh and have fun. I knew this guy was quite the character, but he's... A lot more than I realized, Bob, and I think it's a ton of fun. Yeah, and, and the tease that he gave us, I mean, gives me reason to actually come back here in January. I was I was sort of having, you know, one of those moments where I was reconsidering whether my work here is done, and now suddenly I've decided, yeah, clearly my work here 
is not even close to done. So I, I have to be here in 2023 when John from Binghamton makes additional revelations that may shock and may delight. You know what, Bob? I wish people really knew just how much hard work that goes in to your show. Because they think you're on the air, you're done, that's it. There is so much more behind it. And I really appreciate that. And the best part I like is everyone who's calling in. I just I just wish more people would appreciate what you do. Well, thank you for saying that. The truth about radio is you can show up and give minimal effort, or you can also show up and do a lot of work during the program and also before the program and even after the program. And my my choice is to try to do a lot of work for three hours on the air, but also do a fair amount of preparation, reading. And I try to brief myself fairly well on most issues, although it's never it's never going to be 100%. And that's why sometimes, of course, people will bring up a topic, like, say, our first caller today. I, I was not even briefed on, on White Rabbit, but it's hard to keep up with Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk is such a whirlwind, and I worry about the guy. I mean, some people think, oh, he's going to go on forever and we'll always have Elon Musk. I'm not so sure. You know, he's, he's, um, he's a very busy man. Yes, he's a billionaire, but he's all that and more. And when he's got so, he's trying to keep so many plates in the air. He's like those uh, kids who were on uh, Jed Sullivan's show, the Jed Sullivan Show in New York, back in the '60s. They would spin all these plates and try to keep all these plates going at the same time. Well, at some point, inevitably, the plates are going to fall. And I hope his Twitter plate and his Tesla plate and his SpaceX plate don't all fall at the same time or else he's going to meet the same kind of fate that uh, the FTX kid did. You see what he did? He crashed his crypto plane and all these people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I guess he's like 30 years old and he's the talk of the town, but now he's in custody. And I wouldn't give that guy's problems to a, a monkey on a rock. Well, <laughs> oh, geez. Don't bring up the monkey. I can't go into that. And who, <laughs> who would possibly invest in someone like that i mean and that's another thing now now they want they want our sympathy and you know jesse you know me well enough to understand i'm generally a fairly sympathetic person but i'm having trouble mustering a lot of sympathy for people who claim they've lost a lot of money from this crypto fiasco and investing in some sort of crypto scheme that was operated by a guy who wasn't even 30 years old yet. I mean, come on, man. Well, there's another person that I wish you would call and ask that person, how did his cryptocurrency... Oh, don't you worry. I've, I've been having some conversations with him. Oh, okay. yeah, so... Believe me, and? you know what I can say about that? Just stay tuned. Okay. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a couple steps ahead of you, Jesse. You know, there, okay. as, as somebody also said, I keep appropriating these things from, from that other guy because 
That's that's the sign of genius when you steal other people's work and present it as your own. As they say, there's no off position on the genius switch. I'm I'm working it, baby. The only thing I can say is don't follow the white rabbit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's fun. And it's being televised too on WNBF Plus. I know you say, well, who in their right mind would pay that nominal monthly fee to see this radio program televised? I don't know. It's like, who in their right mind would pay Elon Musk $11 a month for a check mark? It's a big world. You don't have to fool that many people. You play the percentages. This is Bob Joseph. The number to call is 607-772-1290. The email address is bob at wnbf.com. Paid for by government. WNBF, Bob Joseph live on a Tuesday morning, doing the work that needs to get done. Back to the phones we go. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. Uh, that Masonic Temple was a beautiful place. I was in there many times. I went with my mother. and You know, we used to go and see um, uh, the opera shows and stuff. But it was beautiful in there. And that's how long has that been closed? Quite a few years, ain't it? Yeah, it's been closed for decades. Sadly, it was the plan, according to Isaac Anzeruth, the plan was to have that place open again and uh, back in business for this year, because this year marks its 100th anniversary. And that Masonic Temple building, of course, for, for so many decades, was, was a, a beautiful beautiful edifice at Maine and Murray near the high school and so many events were held there over the years but yeah I, I think it's been nearly 40 years since there was anything of substance inside 40? Yeah, I think about um, let me look wow. at this story so the interesting thing and now I'm looking can you believe it when I went in there for a tour where I went to the very, very, very bottom to the sub-basement where that body was found all the way to the tippy top on, on top of the roof so I could wander around and dance on the roof while taking pictures. I took over a hundred pictures. Uh, I'm looking at them now and what a beautiful place. I mean, when I went in there, it was a wreck. Oh, yeah. But you could see you could see there was stuff and I might even repost this on our 
our website because I think people would get a kick out of this. Just the, the pictures. Oh, the place still, even though it was in a state of disrepair when I went inside and checked it out from top to bottom, you could still, still see the um, magnificent architecture from a century ago. Uh, how did I wonder how it got that way? I mean, geez, that was a nice place. Well, it gets that way when people just stop using a place and then let it fall into disrepair. That's what happened. Well, it happens at too many buildings around here. They're great buildings, yeah, and then one of the realities of of buildings that were constructed in that era, they were built to last. But they were also very expensive. So for for people today, I mean, in terms of repairing and maintaining and even heating and cooling these buildings, it's very expensive. And that's one of the key reasons that they wind up just sitting there and then eventually falling apart and sometimes having to be torn down. Yeah, I know. But that was a beautiful place. I, I was in there in the a number of times with my mother. My mother yeah. liked opera, and so did I, you know. And we used to go at least, at least three or four times a year. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot of good memories. Um, unfortunately, I never, I was never inside when it was open. I've only been inside there when the place looked like, I was going to use a bad word. It, it, it didn't look good, but it was still interesting to go through there. And uh, interesting thing is, there was a guy, when that was sold seven years ago, there was a guy named John, not our John, but a, a guy named John and uh, one of his partners. Guess how much they paid when that building was sold at auction in 2015? Take a guess. I don't know. $7,500. No kidding. Yes. They got it for $7,500, and they wanted to turn it into a music hall and community arts center, but it never got off the ground. Jeez, that's sad. Humor. We need Chuck Schumer to get us some federal money. Get us, if Chuck Schumer, if he's really the Senate majority leader, if Chuck Schumer wants to impress me, if he can get us $20 million, get that place renovated, I'll, e I'll even agree to have him on the program, okay? I think it's a deal. It's a deal. I, w I will encourage if Chuck Schumer can allocate 20 or $30 million in federal money from some sort of slush fund, and I'm sure he knows where the slush is, that would get that building open so fast, it'd make your head spin. And turn it in. Eleven forty-seven. Bob Joseph handling the mission with the usual degree of excellence, making it look easy when, in fact, it's not that simple. Let's go back to phones. Paul in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. I'm calling about the Masonic Temple in Binghamton. 
Yes. I was part of part of the Masons and the Shriners and everyone involved. I was one of the the decision maker on that building. If you want to know what happened to it, I'll be glad to share it quickly. Sure. Give me um, give me an overview of what transpired. Okay. We started tearing that Frank Lloyd Wright building down to build apartments upstairs. Well, then we had a partner come on board, the city of Binghamton. Make a long story short, Bob, after we put more millions in, two elevators and uh, two furnaces before we ever opened, and uh, I decide, we decided to leave at a $1 million loss before it got more. That was the short of it. So what, uh, about what year was that, Paul? I don't know years. I'm sorry. I just perform. I'm a, I just do. I, I don't keep track of years, but it was when we were remodeling. I don't, I don't know the years. It was 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I remember. And, and by the way, when I, I went through there several years ago, I could see some of the areas that, that were remodeled and, you know, some of the um, rooms and, and bedrooms uh, or future bedrooms or bathrooms, so I, I could see areas where the remodeling had actually uh, taken place. I mean, a fair amount of work actually was done up to a point. Oh, yeah, we put a million into it, and that's not chump change, you know. We, we had to borrow from our own members to pay that, you know. It's a bad thing. So tell me... The city, city of Binghamton stiffed us. Make a long story short, they said more and more, more and more, more, you got to do this, you got to tear this down, you got to buy this, things like that, you know. It got too expensive. We said, no, we want to fix that up for everyone they use, community-like. They weren't too keen on that. They wanted it for handicapped or senior citizens. They put a lot of restrictions on us that weren't in the original contract. We never even had a written contract with them. Well, I, appre well, I appreciate getting, getting some background on this because I, I have some just very vague recollections of of how things were i i didn't I, I don't think i ever really got the inside story so i'm finally finally getting some background and and it's it's a real shame because as you know that building had so much promise even now and it's a terrible state i still believe it has has promise but it, it would take millions of dollars to try to uh to fix it but so I, I guess everybody, everybody who was involved in in that plan to um, redevelop it had to have been just devastated that it didn't happen. Oh, we were, we were, we were devastated. But what can you do? I said to the members, "How much more do you want to lose?" You know, and that's it. The city wasn't working with us at the time, so we couldn't do much. They were coming down with restrictions. I don't know where they came from, so we just walked. It was hard to do. We've had that building. Oh, as far as I can remember, and I'm 70-something, you know? Yeah, it was built in 1922. That's when it opened. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Isaac Ansroot, who Isaac Ansroot, who currently owns it, he told me um, about I think it was about three years ago. His hope was to have that place reopened and ready for use, perhaps as a community center, uh, this year in 2022. So, so the centennial of of the opening of the building could be celebrated in style. That would have been nice. It would have been, uh, but we're not on board with it the Shriners or the Masons, and if he gets involved with the city, I wish him luck. 
Well, that's basically what he's told me, too. That's why some work did get started, some of the renovations or at least preliminary things, because there was a lot of stuff that needed to be uh, hauled out of there before real work could get underway. But he essentially said the same thing. He wasn't getting any support from the city. So basically, his his vision for the, the building was was uh, was killed very similar to what you described identical they'd get their hands in there and they ruin it if they'd have let us we're good at this this ain't the first time if they'd have let us finish the building rent it without their restrictions we'd have been fine but that's history i just thought i'd bring you yeah up thank you thank well, you for well, for sharing that on the line yeah. There's one other thing that's been bothering me I want to get in touch with you about. It's not a problem. I was a manager at GAF, ANSCO, all that. And what we had is seven water wells in the area that produced water so fine, we barely needed to filter it for our filmmaking. And that them wells are still here, and that would make a terrific brewery or a uh, uh, place to grow marijuana with that kind of water. I just thought I'd bring that to your Well, your and by room. the way, you mentioned that. You you know they're planning a cannabis plantation right. over there um, right. uh, at Charles Street, So, which is good because they need copious amounts of water. The other sad thing is that, <laughs> I mean, let's face it, if you're going to grow a lot of weed, you need a, a lot of water to make it work. The other thing exactly. is that's too bad that um, Gallery Brewing, excuse me, Galaxy Brewing was going to move its operation here from Court Street over to the old Titchener building on Clinton Street, and they planned, they had plans to brew beer there. And they, they would sure. have had nice water in the first ward, right, uh, you know, for for the asking, but that didn't happen either. Appreciate your call, Paul. I thank you, Bob, and I, I hope that, that Frank Lloyd Wright building gets sold. It's a beautiful building. We had to change some designs because the I-beams were so big they couldn't move around. There were like three-foot I-beams at the top of that. It's massive. It's an amazing building. It is the, it's beautiful. It is a, an intriguing building, and I, I do appreciate the additional information. Uh, Tom from Green, good morning. You're on the air. Uh, good morning, Bob. Uh, I grew up on the west side, tended uh, Horseman West Jr., and then went to... Oh, being at the central. But you were talking about the Carpenters a few weeks ago on the air, the musical team of brother and sister. Yep, yep. Karen and Richard. Um, yeah, did they perform at the arena? I don't recall. I don't remember them performing locally. They they may have, but I I personally don't remember. Well, the reason is I really don't remember, but I can vaguely remember. One of my younger brothers was in the chorus at Horace Mann, and they asked the chorus to come to the arena and sing with the Carpenters, and they were just like a chorus for the song, uh, sing, called Sing, Sing a Song. And it turns I out that know. was in 1973. I just looked it up. So they were at the arena? They were. And it's it mentions it mentions the medley was contrast or the medley uh, was uh, the the encore of saying fifteen kids from Horace Mann Elementary School were ushered on stage to simulate the pop hits children's chorus. So you're saying your brother was part of that? Yes, yes, he was one. I I can remember the picture of him on the stage. 
you know, lined up with his fellow. I'm looking at the picture right now. There's Karen Carpenter on the left as musical director and the youngsters, and they all look pretty young because they were at Horace Mann Elementary School, and I see your brother right now. Well, I don't know that yeah, he must be your brother because I see those kids gathered on on the stage. It's yeah, a, a yeah, beautiful he's picture. One of them. I can remember he he had the picture. And, yeah, but, uh, this is another little piece of Binghamton history. Especially, you said you were quite impressed with the Carpenters, and yes, something you learn something every day. Well, now I learned another thing that that was they were here at the arena October twenty first, nineteen seventy three. And I'm looking at the pictures. There's Richard Carpenter singing. And then on the right is Karen Carpenter. And then at the bottom of the page is your brother and about 14 other students from Horace Mann Elementary School performing yeah, they, Sing they, they, with, with yeah, Karen they, they Carpenter. Line, yep, yeah, they're lined right up. But um, I also called in the beginning of the summer and gave you another tidbit of Triple City's history, and that was the uh, pony night at the Triple Stadium where they gave away a horse. And you also looked that up. Yeah, I, I I'll have to look that up again because I, I remember the call, but I never never actually found out more information. Thank you so much for the memories, Tom. Absolutely, I love the show. Keep it going. Thank you. Eleven fifty six. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. You watch. I'm Bob Joseph. Our mission has been accomplished, but the mission will continue tomorrow, so tune in then. Meantime, have a great afternoon. Sing, sing a song, sing out loud, sing out strong. This is News Radio, WNBF Binghamton.